feel like Donald Trump. You look like Donald Trump. It's Thursday, April 26th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Tom Poos Delivery Man, and with me today is Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Rebel. Just Rebel. Just Rebel. Just Rebel. Our third regular podcast co-host, Gordon Derrick, Contributing Editor at Dutch News, isn't here today, unfortunately, partly because he's too busy eating Brexit Snickers, but mostly because we are recording the podcast a day earlier, because tomorrow it's... King's Day. King's Day. And yeah. we are celebrating King's Day right now in the podcast studio, aren't we? We are, Paul? yeah. I'm sipping champagne right now. Not just any champagne. Orange, orange champagne. champagne. And you turned up at my door today with orange tompus yes. to, uh, to to consume with the champagne, which yes. was lovely. It was delicious. It was. I taught you to teach tompuses. You did. You taught me how to eat tompuses, yeah. and it was very exciting. So uh, why are you a rebel? I assume you're referring to my tweet in which I took my dog to a cat cafe last week. <laughs> Savage. It was it was very amusing. So uh, I think it was on over the weekends, maybe. How, how did this turn out? Well, so there's a lovely cat cafe in Delft called the Kattenkop Cafe, and uh, they they have a room with the kitten, the cats in them, but they have like a separate section, and we wanted to sit on the terrace. They have a very nice terrace and a lovely Ekta uh, Holinza. Boral plankia with ah, like uh, bitterbala, bitterbala and cast yeah. and yeah so mustard, mustard. So it was it was exactly what we wanted after a, after a long day of running errands, and we took the dog with us because the dog likes to uh, to but, go places. But did the did the dog actually go into the cat cafe? No, he he was sitting outside. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, That's too but, bad. But he does like to like peek into the windows and see if he can see the cats. So. <laughs> and did he? He did. And then How he was the very excited. React? The cats are not a fan of him. And he oh. really wants to play with the cats. But I suspect the cats would not enjoy playing with hmm, him. Hmm, so. hmm, hmm. Too bad. You're going to have to sneak him in one day and see what happens. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Chaos and mass hysteria, I think. Yes. So, Paul, what was the opef of this week? Well, the opef of this week involves the Dutch singer Gordon. Gordon, uh, had Not a... to be confused with our podcast co-host, Gordon. Now, our Gordon sings as well, but he only does it when he's wearing kilts. That's true. Yeah. Uh, apparently he had a relationship at some point with one guy, um, and uh, they broke up. And Gordon uh, wrote about him in his book, and the guy sued Gordon because he denies that they ever had a relationship. And then this went to court, and the, uh, the judge read thousands of whatsapp text messages oh my god no as evidence and then decided you did have a uh, a relationship so gordon's ex can no longer is no longer allowed to deny that they had a relationship yeah it's bad when a judge has to get involved and declare that you have a relationship i think yes and the good thing is all these text messages are published as well oh god so you can read them all if, if you, you want, want to read gordon's sexting you can <laughs> you can now do that online there was actually some sexting involved oh, yeah. that's just oh that's so gross this week we'll talk about the successor of the bonnages affair update you on the 30 percent tax rule and a very special piece of amsterdam real estate that will only cost you 700 euro a month in our discussion we'll talk about everything you need to know about king's day 
In our top story this week, Prime Minister Mark Rutte survived a motion of disapproval on Wednesday night following the debate in the Tweede Kamer on secret memos about the Cabinet's controversial decision to abolish dividend tax. The decision to scrap the tax raised questions by opposition parties last year when the coalition agreement was published, since it will cost taxpayers 1.4 billion euros while none of the coalition parties campaigned for it. The opposition suspected the scrapping of the dividend tax was a result of lobbying by multinationals such as Shell and Unilever, and demanded an explanation by the Prime Minister. Mark Rutte insisted the decision was only made to improve the Netherlands' business climate and no memos on the issue were written during the formation process. Last week, however, it was revealed that these documents did exist and as a one-off measure the Prime Minister decided to disclose the memos, despite Rutte's earlier opinion that releasing them would breach the confidentiality of coalition negotiations. So, Paul, what was in the uh, what was in the memos? These were fifty pages of uh, memos that were actually written during the formation process. Still less than the one hundred and fifty-six page document I had to read this week about the thirty percent rule. <laughs> Indeed, uh, and the memos didn't look good for the coalition parties. Uh, Margrethe released them uh, at a very convenient time, that is exactly on the evening deadline of the morning newspapers. Very smart. Very smart. And uh, first of all, th- these memos were fifty pages, so you can't really. Imagine that these negotiators have never seen them. Uh, But the content was even worse. Uh, The cabinet always said that scrapping uh, dividend tax would increase the business climate of the country. But the memos say ministerial officials highly doubted that. And uh, if that is the goal, uh, a number of other measures uh, were much more effective. And also the opposition parties had always said that scrapping this tax would only be beneficial for foreign stockholders. And uh, the memos confirmed this. Uh, who wrote the memos exactly? Uh, the uh, government officials. Okay. So the, uh, uh, you have this weird situation with the uh, coalition negotiations that the prime minister is still the acting prime minister, but he's also you know, a member of a political party that won the, won the election. So uh, when they are forming a uh, coalition, they are allowed to ask ministerial officials to say, hey, we need some extra information on this topic. Look up what will happen if we do this. So officially, they weren't ministers when they requested this. But now they are, so it's 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 a, a bit of an odd situation. It's an odd situation, yeah. So uh, so how did the debate go? There's a really excellent picture of Jesse Klaver sort of like holding up a giant sheet of stuff and emphatically pointing <laughs> at it. <laughs> really, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, well, it was a terrible debate. I watched the entire thing, and it was just awful because the debate was about uh, whether or not Rutte knew about the memos or not, or remembered the memos. Remembered the memos, yeah. This debate took hours and, uh, well, first he said he had no knowledge of of its existence. Um, And next, uh, next the memo could have been discussed at a different table where he wasn't uh, sitting. Then the memos did exist, but he hadn't seen them. So uh, in these negotiations... uh, Literally thousands of documents pass these right. tables. Uh, it's an, it's it's a huge stack of, of of memos and official papers. So it is possible that he have seen them, but you know he just can't remember it. But still, it's it's a measure of one point four billion euros. So it's a bit, you know, and it caused a bunch of opeth before. So yeah. you would think that like perhaps he would have been reminded about the memos prior to this. Exactly, because 
at the very same day when the coalition agreement was published, these these uh, opposition parties immediately said, "Hey, look at this uh, dividend tax. None of you mentioned this earlier. Why all of a sudden is this happening?" And in the well, how many how many months do we have this cabinet now? He apparently never he he thought about well, let's look up if we actually have these memos. And none of the people's who people who were involved remembered them or told the prime minister. So it's just a it's just a mess. It's, it's a just bad a mess. For and 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 the debate was: Does he remember these memos? Well, it could be that he didn't. Yeah. But nobody can prove that right. he, that he had. So yeah, at the end, the trade camera was empty-handed. They can't do anything, uh, the, and the prime minister doesn't have to resign. Okay, so there was a there was a motion of disapproval which didn't pass, but it yeah. it it was just barely didn't pass. It was sixty-seven to seventy-six, yeah. which is basically the coalition plus one. Yeah. No, that is the coalition. No, that is the coalition. Yeah, so it was basically the coalition, yeah. Yeah, but the the motion of disapproval is one level below the motion of uh, no, uh, confidence. no confidence. If that one is accepted, then the prime minister or the minister that, you know, has to go. And now it's just basically say, well... We think you did a bad, bad, bad boy. Bad boy. Yeah, yeah it's a bad boy. No. And even though it didn't pass, it's, it's still a bad boy. Right. Yeah. Paul is the Ophef expert of the week in this country, but amongst expats in the Netherlands, there was one and only one thing that happened this week, a reduction in the timeline for the 30% ruling. During the coalition process, it was decided that the amount of time one could qualify for this tax deduction would be reduced from eight years to five. The finance minister announced this week that the five-year ruling will apply not just to future users, but current ones as well. This means people who immigrated to the Netherlands in the past few years and were told the ruling would be good for eight years will have it reduced. Unsurprisingly, this started a lot of discussion, including a whole host of Dutch news commenters who were very, very unhappy. Some internationals have started a petition to request that the government change the ruling. Why should expats get a tax break in the first place anyway? So, in case you're interested, I wrote like a 900-word screed about this that we'll link to. Um, But basically, the argument is is that without the tax break, it's difficult to attract top talent. Um, It's supposed to offset the financial burden of living abroad. I think what's mostly upset people here is is that they were promised something, the tax offset for eight years that's now being revoked and reduced to five. Yeah, they changed the rules of the game during the game. Right. So that, that to me, does seem grossly unfair. Um, It does make a, a, a very substantial difference in one's... Um, take-home pay in in the Netherlands. Um, and, you know, lots of things are decided. I mean, you're, you're asked when you apply for a mortgage, if you're a foreign national, if you have the 30% ruling and these kinds of things. I mean, it, it, it yeah. really plays a big impact in your financial life. So it does seem to me that it's like grossly unfair to tell people that they could have this, this rule for eight years and then tell them like while they're here that no, that's actually changed. Um, but I'm sort of less like sympathetic to the to the ruling overall. Um, which, if you want to read about my feelings on the matter, you can read my 800-word, 900-word blog posts. For the first time, a Dutch official was present at the commemoration of the Armenian Genocide. Junior Finance Minister Menno Snell was present at the ceremony in Jerevan, the Armenian capital, on behalf of the Tweede Kamer and laid flowers on the memorial, commemorating the 1.5 million people who were killed by soldiers of the Ottoman Empire. The cabinet emphasizes that the junior minister was not present on behalf of the cabinet, but because it was parliament who wished a member of the cabinet was present. So what is the distinction between those two things? Well, mostly because the cabinet 
just don't want to offend Turkey any more than they already did. Right. Uh, Turkey is uh, a NATO ally, uh, and uh, it's no secret that there were a couple of diplomatic dust-ups with Turkey. And, just one or two over the uh, past few years. Just one or two over the past few years with Turkey, so they don't want to offend them anymore. Turkey still denies that a genocide took place uh, against Armenians, uh, and the cabinet didn't want to send a high delegation, so they, for example, they didn't send the foreign secretary, but instead they send a, a junior minister. The cabinet also officially referred to the killings as the question of the Armenian genocide, so they're really trying to like walk the line between yeah, because, both things here. Because I think Turkey refers to it as the Armenian question yeah. and other countries who recognize it say it's an Armenian genocide. So the Netherlands you know, chooses the middle ground here. Uh, initially, it was expected that a Christian Union minister would go to the commemoration because it was the Christian Union who took the initiative in Parliament for this request. Um, but uh, the Christian Union allegedly refused to go. Uh, because the party's standpoint is that it is a genocide and the government's standpoint it is that it isn't. So they didn't want to defend the, the government's uh, standpoint on this. Funny. In a depressing first this week, the number of cyclists killed in the country has surpassed the number of motorists killed, according to a report by the Dutch statistics office CBS. There were 613 total fatal traffic accidents in 2017, of which 206 were cyclists. Motorists totaled 201, 82 on motorcycles or scooters, 58 pedestrians, and 25 using mobility scooters. The total number of fatalities is down from 2016, but this was the first time in 10 years the number of deaths among cyclists rose. People over the age of 55 accounted for two-thirds of the bike fatalities, and 25 of the accidents involved an e-bike. So, Paul... How much of this 613 number can we attribute to you None. and your crazy taxi driving? Oh, no, no, no. I, I never hit people or cyclists. But people on mobility scooters are totally fine. No, it will damage my car. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I ever killed someone on my bike. I've been, I got hit by a car while I was biking. Really? But it wasn't fatal, obviously, because I'm still here. <laughs> well, that would have been a surprise. Yeah. What happened then? I got rear-ended by someone. Um, by a car? By a car. Oh. So, according... I, I have no recollection of the incident because I, like, totally hit my head. But according to the pedestrians, there was, like, a car that was, like, turning left. And it was on one... It was turning left onto one of these streets where there's, like, a cycle path that runs, like on the side of the street where they were turning left on and I guess they were just like not paying attention so they basically like turned left and in the process like clipped the back of my bike oh, wow. so they sent me flying like head over the handlebars basically I don't remember I have no recollection of any of this um, and basically like the next thing I remember is like laying on the ground and there's all these people standing over me and uh, the funniest part of this was that it was quite near the train station in Delft. And so there was a guy, there were several people who stopped very nicely to see if I was okay. And there was a guy who was like, are you okay? Because I really have to go catch my train. So I need to go like right now. And I was just like, I literally have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but did he catch his train? I think he did make uh, okay. his train. Well, that's a good uh, Which good is very then. important. Yeah, yes. indeed. In sport, Feyenoord Rotterdam made up a disappointing league season by winning the 100th edition of the KNVB Cup by defeating AZ Alkmaar with a 3-0 win on Sunday. The Cup is the fourth trophy of Feyenoord coach Giovanni van Bronckhorst in three seasons. Earlier this season, Feyenoord won the Johan Cruyff Shield and last year the club was the champion of the Eredivisie League, which was won this year by PSV. 
Highlight of the game was the goal by Robin van Persie, 10 minutes after halftime, who floated the ball over the head of the AZ goalkeeper to make the score 2-0. The 34-year-old veteran and record international goalscorer said he would sit down with Feyenoord in the coming weeks to see if he will continue playing next season. And there was also uh, some sports news from Amsterdam, was there not? <laughs> yes, the, the house where football legend Johan Cruyff grew up has come up for rent. The three-bedroom ground floor flat in the Amsterdam neighborhood Betondorp, which means concrete village, will cost 709 euro a month, but only low-income families can apply. Uh, there were plans to convert the house into a Johan Cruyff museum, but Johan Cruyff himself rejected the idea. And in other Johan Cruyff news, the official logo of the Johan Cruyff Arena has been uh, revealed on Wednesday, uh, the day the former Ajax player died two years ago, in probably the saddest ceremony I've ever seen. And it's also a very ugly logo, don't you think? Yeah, it's kind of a sad-looking logo, I yeah, have It's to say. just, it's nothing special. It just no. says Johan Cruyff Arena. And it's got, like, an ugly yellow border, and that's it. Yeah, I don't think that's part of the logo. I think that's part of the screen where, where the logo is displayed. Well... I mean, we're fine, but it looks like the sign has yeah. an ugly yellow border. We're actually looking at the uh, at the logo right now, and yes. we'll uh, yeah. No, we won't put a link in the liner notes because it's uh, it's not that special. That's true. Um, but uh, it took the club uh, nearly two years to rename the Amsterdam Arena. After How did that? Why did it take two years? Because of some sponsor issues. Uh, that's so ridiculous. Yeah, nobody understands that. It's absurd. And there were there, there were some sports journalists who who just referred to the stadium as the Johan Cruyff Arena, despite it wasn't officially the name. As they should. And that makes sense. Yeah. The Utrecht Bell tribute to Avicii made international news this week. The Swedish DJ was found dead in his hotel room in Oman last week. The cause of his death is yet unknown. The city of Utrecht's official carionaire, Malgosia Fiebeg, decided to play some of his famous work at the weekend, and fans of the DJ were surprised to hear numbers such as Wake Me Up, Without You, and Hey Brother sounding out from the medieval Dom Tower. A video of the music went viral. We'll link to that video in the liner notes. Yeah, it, it sounded really nice. It was really nice, I yeah. thought. I mean, I, I wasn't particularly a you know a big Avicii fan I mean he, he no, seems like know a nice guy songs, but I knew but, his music yeah. and I thought it was a really like beautiful uh, really nice tribute yeah I thought so too but what is a carry on there that is the person who plays bells in church towers used to be a big profession in the Netherlands in Belgium um, it's diminished somewhat in uh, numbers in recent years but you still have to go to bell school to be able to play to bell school this is an official thing there's like an official study that you have to do in order wow. to be able to do that and it's called bell school I think it's called carry on air school but <laughs> bell school nobody can pronounce that but nobody so can pronounce say, that so. so they just say bell school yeah right. <laughs> We'll be discussing King's Day after this word from our sponsor. Do you drive or ride a bike? Are you in the train or on the train? If you're producing text in English but aren't sure of just the right wording, M Squared can help you. M Squared is a digital publications company that can help you with all of your writing, editing and translation needs. They have a combined 20 years experience crafting the perfect document from editing books to writing website copy. If you need help with your website text, brochure, thesis, press release and more, contact them at info at msqrd.com. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. 
Because this week we are recording the podcast uh, earlier than usual. Usually we uh, re- re- record it on uh, on Friday. Yeah, it's weird to be here on a Thursday night. Yeah, huh? it really is. Yeah. yeah, Niels is in the kitchen like making us dinner and stuff. Yeah, pizza. And we're boozing it up because that's acceptable because it's not nine o'clock in the yes. morning. Yes, we had orange champagne and tompuses. And tompuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've moved on to the harder stuff. <laughs> yeah, usually we are drinking Friday morning, mm-hmm. but then we're not saying it out loud. Mm-mm. Yeah. So why are we recording early, Paul? Well, we are recording recording early because it is King's Day tomorrow. And what is King's Day? Well, King's Day is the Netherlands national holiday. It's the day uh, basically everybody will go out dressed up in orange, preferably with an inflatable orange windmill or a clog on your head, and stroll around town where everybody is trying to sell their junk from the attic or basement, ranging from incomplete jigsaw puzzles, VHS tapes and homemade cupcakes. And there's usually a lot of children out, like, performing terribly on, like, a recorder and asking money for yes, it. Yes, or playing the violin while they're not able to play the violin no. or play the flute or yeah, that, that sort doing of stuff. something else. Yeah. yeah. So how did this all start? Well, we have to go back uh, more than a century for that. In 1885, the monarchy needed a popularity boost. So it was decided to uh, start celebrating uh, the Princess Wilhelmina's birthday on August 31st. It was then called the Princess's Day. And it, uh, yeah, she was very adorable back then. She was only five years old, I think, and it worked. The monarchy became popular again. Uh, and when Wilhelmina became queen at the age of 18, they decided to continue celebrating her birthday. And thus, uh, that was the birth of uh, Queen's Day. When Juliana became queen in eight, 1948, uh, she moved her uh, the day, Queen's Day, to her birthday, April 30th. And when Beatrix became queen, she decided to uh, maintain this day as Queen Day. Officially because she wanted to honor her mother, but... Unofficially because her birthday was in January and the weather was terrible. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And now Willem-Alexander became king five years ago. His birthday is April 27th. So he was like, yeah, why should we uh, celebrate my birthday three days after my actual birthday? Let's move it uh, a couple of days back. So the first Koning Innensag was not on April 27th, though. That is a fun fact. That is a fun fact, yeah. Because so go on. Queen's Day and now Koningsdag is celebrated on uh, April 27th, but not on a Sunday. Right. And the first Koningsdag was on a Sunday, so decided to celebrate it on a Saturday, so April 26th. And um, it's also very fun. If you are in Amsterdam, uh, please uh, go to the Amsterdam Central Station on April 30th and watch tourists come out of the train dressed all in orange. For um, King's Day. For Queen's Day. Queen, for Queen's Day, thinking that it's still thinking on the 30th, it's still and the 30th, it is not. Because these tourists probably read somewhere on the on the internet that Queen's Day is April 30th, or they have a very old, lonely planet somewhere laying around. Right. Um, and it's always fun to see uh, the Vergistouristen, as they're called. Of course. And uh, uh, last year, it was also North Korea who was a Vergistourist, because yeah. they sent a uh, telegram to the king, um, wishing him a, a, a happy national holiday on April 30th yes. instead of April 27th. So what is the king up to uh, tomorrow? The king will uh, visit a town, as always, every year, uh, somewhere in the Netherlands, uh, with a bunch of his family. Uh, his wife will accompany him, as well as his brother and in-laws, and also his cousins and their wives. And uh, since a couple of years, he also uh, brings his, uh, his daughters with. And this year, they will go to Groningen. The people of the town uh, have prepared some program for them, which is insane boring yes of course it is it is it is, I, when i see them 
walking around, I always feel sorry for them because they, uh, the people, they prepared something, but it always is some sort of demonstration of a traditional craftsmanship, uh, such as weaving baskets or right. clogging clocks or milking cows. <laughs> or uh, And they also play f- folklorist games such as Kukhopper. Do you know Kukhopper? I am not familiar with Kukhopper. It's a, it's, a, it's a slice of paper hook and you hang it on a, on a, on a string. And uh, you're blindfolded and then you have to uh, eat the paper cook. Ah, okay. When the one who eats the paper cook first is the winner. So that's a, a, a traditional Dutch uh, touch game. Of course, and because it, the Dutch could not come up with anything no. better. And another thing is spijkerpoepen. Spijkerpoepen is a game where you tie a string around your waist. And attached to that string is a nail. And you put a bottle, um, an empty bottle on the ground. And then you have to, you know... Squat, squat to a... to to poop the the spike the uh, nail into the bottle. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very a awful. Spiker pooper. Yeah. And another, well, it it isn't traditional, but it happened one time, and that's it. It sort of sticked around. It's part of his image now. The the king's image is uh, a toilet potter gooien. And what is toilet potter gooien? It's uh, throwing a toilet seat in a of in course. some sand and the one who throws the, it the furthest is the winner is the winner um yeah and it, it is awful and it's really painful to see it in a way it is fascinating to see because they they are walking around in these towns and they have to undergo all this terrible stuff and they have to do it while maintaining a broad smile and pretending that they are enjoying it but right. you, you know that they really hate it yeah and they only are there for an hour but but this hour seems like forever, forever. yeah yeah so uh so what's what what do normal those of us who are not the, members the, of the not royal, royal family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sell that junk on the streets, basically. Of course. What of else course. would you do? Yeah. Apparently, 50% of the people, of the Dutch people, go to a free market, as it's called, a Vrijmarkt, and uh, half of them are actually selling something. So 25% of the Dutch people are sitting on a blanket somewhere in the city selling their junk. Why is this the Vrijmarkt day? What, what, how did this tradition start? I, I'm not sure how it started. I try, I tried to research this, but I, I couldn't find anything. Why? Oh, really? Why they? Interesting. Why they started? This. But the reason that there, there is a junk market is basically because it's a, it's a tax-free. There's yeah. no, there's no uh, uh, BTV charged on tomorrow. Yeah, you don't have to pay taxes over the stuff you sell tomorrow. Right. So that's how the Dutch celebrate their national holiday. By tax exemption. Of course it is. How else would it <laughs> yeah, be? How else would it be? And, um, well, in the week before uh, King's Day, uh, when you walk around the city center, you will see all these uh, marked spots with bezet on it. Yeah. And, and taped uh, off and that kind of off, stuff. Taped off, yeah. And, and the municipalities officially are uh, telling people not to use tapes because it's hard to remove. Uh, but nobody's but listening. But nobody's listening. No, yeah. no, no, no. So, so can you just go out there on the sidewalk and tape a thing off and, and sell your stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just... You can just tape it off. I think if you take a, a spot that is already beset yeah. without you, you yeah. know, actually besetting the stuff, I think you will be lynched. Yeah, there was uh, there was fights last year in Amsterdam. There was uh, a couple yeah, of and... people over prime real estate locations. But it's not done to, to, no, to it's, go... No, it's you know, neat it's normal. Neat normal. No, yeah. actually, you can sell your junk on the street, but there are other ways to make money. You can, for example, play some music, as we just discussed, or, or you can sell cool drinks. That's, yeah. always, a, that's always a hit. On average, uh, a person on the Freimarkt will earn 90 euro. That's a lot of money. So that's quite a lot of money, yeah. Uh, you can, for example, uh, organize a game. Yeah. Like eating seven beschuitjes yes. in under a minute. Of course. It's impossible. Is it impossible? So never, yeah. Tip from the Dutch News Podcast, don't ever get fooled by anyone. Yeah. 
trying to let you eat seven biscuitjes in, in, uh, in under a minute. Uh, it, w- it won't work because Good it's so dry that yeah. you can't chew or yeah. swallow anything. And I expect uh, that they are calling for a little rain tomorrow. So I expect that if you have a bunch of umbrellas and ponchos, that would be a good day to go out that's, and sell them. That's, that's an excellent day. Yeah. yeah. Or if you uh, live uh, on a crowded street, you can actually pay people to use your toilet. Yeah, that's also I've seen yeah. that happen before. Actually, a couple of years ago in Delft, there was someone I know who lives right on the market who was uh, selling cups of coffee just from like their Nespresso machine for like two euros. Ooh, yeah, and I think a little cup costs 30, 30, 30 cents, cents or something. Yeah. yeah, so they were really making a killing. And he was probably selling only the orange cups. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And basically everything orange will do great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, tonight there are some cities that, that do some stuff on, on Koningsnacht. Oh, yeah, I think it started traditionally in The Hague. Yeah, I think it's a Hague thing. And it basically is, uh, you know, pre-drinking for King's Day. When King's Day is on a regular weekday, for example, on Wednesday, you can't drink all day because you're going to have to work on Thursday, right? Right, of course. So instead, what they do is they go on Tuesday evening, they go and drink themselves to death. Right, because you have the day off the next day. Then have a hangover the rest of the day, stroll around a park or, you know, Freimarkt. Yeah. And then on Thursday, you're all sobered up. So what are you going to be doing tomorrow, Paul? Uh, yeah, probably going to uh, stroll around the uh, Freimarkt in Delft. Yeah. I don't have any big plans. Are you going? You're not going out tonight? No, not tonight. Okay. Are you? Uh, No, we will be uh, editing the podcast. And tomorrow we're going to get up and go to the uh, the Freimarkt. I'm hoping to get upsold on like face painting or something by a small child, (laughs) like (laughs) manipulated into paying for some stuff I don't need. Uh, And then the plan is to sort of come back here and maybe take a bit of a nap and have some dinner. And then we're going to go to a a guilty pleasures party wherein uh, the DJ only plays really crappy music from the 80s. 90s. Wow. I know. <laughs> and then on uh, Saturday, we can go buy discounted uh, orange tompus. Yes, yes, because another tip from the Dutch News Podcast, if you like tompuses, go to the supermarkets on Saturday and, and they will all be on discount. Exactly. Yeah. So if you don't want to be upsold or, or badgered into buying some VHS tapes you don't need by a small child, <laughs> what uh, what else can you do tomorrow? Uh, well, uh, I think in basically every municipality around the city, there are music uh, festivals organized. So basically on the big... Uh, a city square on the market square for example there's probably a stage and there are probably some singers or some dance uh, music played so you can always go there and enjoy the music and for example in Amsterdam there are 166 events organized for example that's nuts so that's nuts yeah so if you want to go there some of them are free yeah. I think most municipalities, like on the central square, they are mostly free. But uh, uh, for some of them, you need tickets. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any tips for our listeners about preparing themselves for uh, for King's Day? Bring ninety euros. Don't go to Amsterdam. So Amsterdam is one of those things where, like, if you've never done it before, you should go once and then, like, never, ever, ever go again. It's it's just a total nightmare. It's the trains are a disaster tomorrow. If you can avoid the trains, don't don't be on the trains. I mean, if you're into like standing outside drinking with like a bunch of tour who are day drinking and can't handle their alcohol, if that's your scene, Amsterdam is your place to be. If it's not, I would definitely go somewhere else. Otherwise, you would just advise to go to the free market. Yeah, I, I think the free market is where it's at. I think you go and preferably in the town that you live in, so you can go like shop around and run into all your neighbors and see like what sort of crap they're selling on the street in front <laughs> of their house, which is very entertaining, I think. Um, you sort of bump into every like single person that you know. And then, yeah, have a few beers somewhere at a nice place. And there's lots of, like, cafes that are doing, like, discounts on, like, orange tompus and a, and a beverage or something like that. 
So I, th- I think that that's the best way to celebrate King's Day. And uh, do you think they should watch the King on television? Uh, perhaps you should watch the King on television looking Just in case bored. he is uh, throwing an orange toilet seat. Right. That's yeah. definitely worth that seeing. would be classic television. And yeah. you also need to invest in some sort of orange clothing. So dig out whatever orange you have. Paul is wearing his orange polo shirt. Uh, my dog, I am going to purchase an orange tie for tomorrow, I think. <laughs> that is the plan. You don't wear anything orange because you don't have orange I don't clothing, own anything but orange. But instead you're going to dress up your dog in orange. Hopefully there is a dog-sized uh, orange inflatable crown somewhere. That's he, that's also a thing that someone should put on him, yes. I think. That's uh, all we have for you this week. This uh, podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about uh, today in the liner notes. You can now send comments, compliments and abuse and also uh, VHS tapes uh, to uh, podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, you can subscribe to our feed, give the podcast a rating and share it. My thanks to Molly Quell and also Gordon Derrick, who isn't here today. We're not thanking him. He did no work. No? Okay. We, we don't thank Gordon Derrick You are today. not thanked, Gordon. We're not thank Gordon. I'm Paul Peters, and we'll be back next week. I hear you, Truby!